And I want to talk about confidence. To me, confidence is my superpower. It's the thing that makes me successful and has brought me to where I am today. Every single woman that I worked with that said yes to working with me built my confidence. I am who I am today because of all of the women that said yes and because of all of the women that validated that I was on the right path and I was working in my purpose and the things that I'm doing mattered. Welcome to the Grant Owen Podcast, where we explore the world of entrepreneurship. Join us as we dive into the nitty-gritty of what it takes to start, grow, and scale a successful business. We're on a mission to share our experiences, failures, insights, and advice with others. Whether you're just starting out in your entrepreneurial journey, or you're looking to take your business to the next level, tune in and join the conversation about what it takes to succeed in the world of business. We going for Welcome to the Young and Driven Podcast. I am so excited to be with you today. Um, as always, if you're watching this, my hope is that you get value. My hope is that um, it is something that inspires you to take some form of action today. Um, so if you're listening to this, please uh, just do me a favor. You don't have to like, subscribe. I don't care about any of that stuff. Send it to one person. If you, have, if you hear this conversation and you learn something and you think of someone that says, oh, that person could benefit from this, just send this to them. Um, that's all I really care about because I think Hannah is an awesome person and has so much to offer. And I'm really excited about our conversation. And I would love for you to to just bless someone else by having them be impacted by her and her brand. So um, please do that. Hannah, thank you so much for joining me. Um, really appreciate you being here. Ah, oh, bless up. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. That was such a cute little intro. I was ready for that. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. I mean, a big thing for me is like, if we can benefit one person, that's all that matters. That's, that's why we for make real. content in the first place. Um, so I want to ask you on a dive in, um, I, I, I'm, I was looking through your stories, looking through kind of like part of your history, something that happened in 2020 that shifted gears for you. Yeah. 2019 and 2020. Um, tell me about before you worked in, uh, building brands, building funnels, building, uh, honestly building the visuals for a lot of females and businesses and courses before you were there, are you doing something in tech? You, you had a tech startup. Tell me about that. Yes, I did. I'm, I'm, I've always been an entrepreneur. Like yeah. everything I've ever done since even the end of college has always been entrepreneurial focused. I had my real estate license and I had this idea of creating this software application for real estate agents it was kind of like Uber, where a real estate agent could get on the app and they could request another real estate agent to help them with a service like a home showing or an inspection for a client if they were out of town, because this was a common problem in real estate. So I fucking went all in on this idea. Like I validated it. I talked to hundreds of real estate agents. I started building POC. This is how I got connected to Dan Martell, which is, you know, our connection to each other is the elite coaching group. So Dan Martell videos, that was like Bible for me. You know, I was watching, I was like just consuming, consuming his YouTube channel. And I brought the idea all the way to conception. We launched a, we, we want, we launched the whole platform. We had some like beta test groups and then the pandemic hit real estate shut down <laughs> run runway was gone there's no customers and i just had to say well fuck there we go because mm -hmm. it was hard like i just had to let go of three or four years of really investing time and energy and i had to start over and reinvent myself and ask okay what am i really passionate about 
what, what sort of skills from this experience can I take moving forward? That's just kind of always been my point of view from all of my entrepreneurial ventures, whether successful or not. I love that. I love that you, cause I can tell in your personality and your energy, you've had this entrepreneurial drive. You have this, uh, it's very joyful. Um, so I, mm. I can picture you as being someone that has a lot of highs and a lot of lows. Um, through this process, I, I saw that there was like a transitionary point for you. Um, and you kind of went all in on this consulting business. You went all in on this new, new venture. What, what were you feeling in the midst of that season? Um, between like, okay, I've invested so much time, invested so much energy into something that I really think is good. And it's just the, the wrong time. Um, mm. And now you're, now you're realizing, okay, I have all these skill sets. Unfortunately, you don't have proof because it wasn't successful. But internally, you're yeah. like, I did, that. I did that. I was able to do that. And I'm sure there's other yeah. things that you do in that same sense. So transitioning to what you're doing now and what you've been doing the last three, four years. What did that feel like? Was that scary? Was that transition hard? Like what that first jump of working with your cousin, was that like a tough thing or an easy thing? I like the depth of the question. I appreciate the asking on the feels. And to be honest, I'm not really somebody that gets scared when I, when I commit to something new, I'm a very all or nothing person. I'm, you know, that's something I work on with my therapist. Right. So when I, when I commit to a vision, I am very all I'm I'm very all or nothing and I'm 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 down for it. But I I felt a lot of just self-doubt, self-criticism, a lot of depression, anxiety in making in in making that big life change. I mean, the pandemic is just a weird time for everybody. It was a lot of it was an opportunity for some deep self-reflection and I've just, I've always been comfortable taking a chance on myself and I've, I've not really into the status quo. So when it, when it comes to diving into something new, if it means that I'm investing in me, then I'm going to be all in, but I was definitely moving through, through a lot of discomfort and just the, the, I guess the fear around like, am am I going to fail again? And if I do, what's going to be next? You know, the fear, the fear of failure is always a looming and dooming to some degree somewhere. But in the here's, something I, here's something I want someone who's listening to this to recognize is that, um, you, you didn't stop and you kept on pushing and you kept on investing in yourself. I think that's like the characteristic that is the only thing that is like across the board accurate for every successful person is that they didn't quit. And every person has, I mean, I have it of, of things in my history. I'm like, I really put a lot of effort into it and it didn't work out. And I'm like, okay, what's next? And you figured it out. So like, tell me about when did you know, did you always have a knack for design? Did you always have a knack for, for this niche? Or were you like, let me just test this out and see if it works. And then your first try, you were like, I am really good at this. (laughs) I've always been obsessed with branding and design, like typography, sexy, like fonts. Yeah hot. Like I've always found fonts, hot, attractive. I've always loved color, color palettes. And to me, the whole, like if a brand can give me a visceral experience, I'm bought in. And even from a a young age, I remember having affinity for certain brands because of the way that they made me emotionally feel. So I've definitely always been into branding and design. When I was in college, I had one of my 
uh, classmates, she was working an internship for a PR agency and she showed me Canva back in 2015 when I was in college. Yeah. So when she showed me that shit, I was like, whoa, this is <laughs> awesome. Like, this is awesome. I can do anything in here because I had taken Adobe classes before and I just found the platform to be not as simple and like, clearly it's not, it's not as easy yeah. as using Canva. Right. So I got yeah. in Canva and I just became, I became obsessed. I became obsessed with improving my skills and consuming all of the design content and learning the design principles and just really self-taught myself. I've always had good taste, TBH. So yeah. I would say that like to be a good designer, you have to have technical skills that you develop over time. But in general, if you don't have taste, you're probably going to like, don't have good taste. You might still be shit. So yeah. you, you do need both. I would say. Yeah. Something that also I want to highlight for, which is different from you versus other creatives, which is that, um, you said, I have good taste and you said so confidently. I think there's a lot of creatives that also have great taste, but the differentiating factor is the fact that you're like decisive. <laughs> I can hear it in your tone. Sure. Like, I'm like, yes, I like this. This is what it should be. And your taste is yeah. like, that is what is. Um, I think there's a lot of people that probably could be successful doing things like what you're doing if they only had that level of confidence and that like conviction of like, no, I think this is right. Um, because there's a lot of creatives that do really awesome things, but end up getting like tossed and turned because someone says, I don't like this. I don't like this rather than them saying, nope, mm. this is really important. I, I did it. I made it. I think this is the right thing to do. And I want you to test it. Um, Agreed. tell me about, tell me about like when you're, when you first started taking on additional clients, how did you approach the money aspect of things? Like you're a business owner, you started as a business owner in different areas and then you've always been creative. So focusing on the creative you're you're like bridging that gap because a lot of times creatives struggle with that creatives struggle as a business owner they struggle to 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 learn how to make money and connect it with their passion um yeah when you started taking on clients what what shifted in you that you were like oh, okay i can actually have a career doing this i can actually have a very successful business that pays me a lot of money doing what i'm good at and what i love mm. yeah fucking love that in the beginning of my journey, I had no idea what to charge because I, I had no mentor. I was totally self-taught. So all of the information that I consumed in my early design journey was YouTube, the future, uh, yeah, Chris Doe, I think it's Doe. Yeah. Or yep. do I, I don't, yeah. yeah. Like, like he was preaching the good word. Okay. Yeah. He was oh informing you. He was yeah. informing you that those you whiteboard don't fucking... sessions, those whiteboard oh, sessions man. were crazy. They were so good. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. A, essential for a newbie, yeah. right? So he became like the Dan Martell of my design world. So like yeah. Dan was helping me in my SaaS. I'm like, all right, Dan, like, thanks brother. It's been good, but I'm fucking yeah. bouncing from this. And I'm like, <laughs> all right, Chris, what's up, bro? Me and you, I fucking need Love you. It. So yeah, dude, I just ate Chris's shit up. I was on his podcast, not on, I'd love to be Chris. I'd love to be on your podcast, yeah. but I was listening <laughs> to day. his podcast and yeah. he is an empowering motherfucker. Like he says, if you have good taste, you have good judgment, you are, you have the strategic communication, charge more, like you're worth more, be more. And so I really leaned into that from an early point of view, but here's the thing. And I want to talk about confidence because you mentioned it. And to me, confidence is my superpower legit. It's like, it's the thing that makes me successful and has brought me to where I am today. And Every single woman that I worked with 
that said yes to working with me built my confidence from when I had fucking none when I first started, when I didn't trust myself, when I didn't know what I was doing, when a client would hire me and I'd have to like, I had no frameworks, no systems, no templates, nothing, right? So my confidence was at zero. And every time a girl said yes to me and every time I delivered something to her and she says, I'm obsessed, I fucking love this, you get my vision, like everything was validating. And the validation started small, like a little snowball. And I started to believe in myself more and believe in my self-worth and trust trust my my newfound design decisions. And every, yes, I love it, you get me, it, it snowballed on itself. And I am who I am today because of all of the women that said yes and because of all of the women that validated that I was on the right path and I was working in my purpose and the things that I'm doing mattered. And so for that, that's why I'm confident today. Why did you only work with women and why is that the people that you market to? Why, uh, why specifically that? Is there a purpose to it? Is there a passion behind it? Is it just because that's what you feel comfortable with or is it because you're like, nope, I intentionally want to do this? Twofold. One was it happened naturally. My very first client, the first person that ever hired me, she was my long lost cousin whom I connected with right at the beginning of the pandemic when my tech company imploded. She was running a really successful online coaching business, teaching other women how to monetize their skills and sell their sales skills, package them together into courses, group programs on Instagram. And so when the pandemic hit, this really started to blow up and she needed support. She needed help and the timing perfectly aligned. I had those skills. I knew how to build websites. I knew how to do brand design. So she's like, come into the back of my business. I'm going to teach you everything about branding, funnels, marketing, online business, coaching. And I got a fucking crash course. And I was obsessed because it literally fit all of my like top tier skills. I'm an excellent communicator. I'm great at design. I love strategy. And so all of those three things just absolutely encompass what I was realizing that this is what I get to do as a designer. This is fucking awesome. So when I was working for her business, she started feeding me my first clients, which were women that graduated from her program because they just graduated from her program. They need branding. They need landing pages for their webinars and their free opt-ins and all of the things. And so by nature, the girls started coming to me and then the girls turn up for the girls. Like for real, all of the girls I work with would refer me business. So my business became a referral business of women referring me more women. And by nature, I just wasn't really getting any male interest because I was primarily working with women. So that's just kind of, it happened that way. But it also, on the, on the other side, from like a personal journey, it's been really healing for me. I've spent a lot of my early years of life really stepping away from wanting to feel like an empowered female and like almost having shame around femininity and associating a lot of femininity with weakness. And I leaned really hard into my male friendships and I avoided things like doing my hair and makeup and wearing colorful clothes or wearing clothes that like leaned into a feminine aesthetic. That was just totally not me. 
And I really held on to this identity for quite a long time. And when I moved to, I, I moved recently to Scottsdale and I've, so I've been in Arizona for two years now. I formerly lived in Washington state and I hated it there. It was dark. It was cold. It was depressing, depressing. Like I always wanted to escape and get away. When I moved here, I decided to just let go of this girl who was like so afraid of being feminine. And I wanted to explore what that felt like, what that looked like for me, how I could in, like have femininity on my own terms. And so that's also been part of this journey. And like, now I wear skirts and I wear colors and I wear dresses and like old me would be like, bitch, who are you? Like she would not recognize me in the street at all, but I am so much happier now. And I just feel so much more confident and in myself. So my business has served as like medicine for me in allowing myself to really express the full spectrum in which I was just not tapping into before. So it's, it's been really healing to be honest. Did that come from culture and your community and the culture around you? Or was that, um, did that come just like you looking around and you were saying, okay, this is what I feel comfortable with now. And I don't feel comfortable or like I'm suppressing this. Like what, what led to that suppression? Cause that's an interesting thought is like, I don't hear many people say, uh, I'm, I'm restricting myself from embracing my femininity. Um, and every, every person has feminine natures and masculine natures, but, and there's, there's like, that's the complexity of what makes us human. Um, mm -hmm. what for you, like what led to that suppression that now makes you feel the freedom? that you have? What led to the suppression? Oh, I love it. Let's get into childhood trauma. Like, why not? You know, let's just go there. Yeah. I mean, as a kid, we all, we all feel the pressures to fit in as a, as a girl growing up, my, I had a really mean group of friends. Like my girlfriends were like the pretty popular mean girls. And I never really quote felt quite pretty enough, quite cool enough to really like fully be in with them. And I think my, my, my like stance against it was if I don't learn how to do the makeup, if I don't learn how to do the hair, if I don't care about all the girl stuff, then I don't have to be hurt by not doing it well. You know, that's like, that's mm -hmm. kind of how I'm, how I've been able to self-reflect. I've been like, by not participating, then I can't fail at this. And so I embodied the more like, I don't know if this is, you know, politically correct to say like tomboy vibe or whatever, but like yeah. I played, I played sports. I, you know, I just, for me, just embodying like the masculine energy just felt safer, I, I guess. And with that, I definitely like kept a lot of like the feminine side of me just at arm's length away and yeah, leaning into like, I'm 30 now and like leaning into like the late end of my twenties, I had, I had traveled, I'd like traveled the world. I'd backpack. I'd, I'd sold all my shit. I've lived as like a fucking Dharma bum minimalist. Like, <laughs> dude, I've been on the spectrum, man. When I say that I go all in, like, yeah, I'll be all in on an identity for a while. Okay. So I'm all good with reinventing myself. And I just came to time where I'm like, I want to let let her go. And I want to, and I want to explore, explore why I'm continuing to make the same lifestyle choices. Why am I eating? Like, why do I eat vegetarian? Let's, let's re let's investigate this. Like I've been doing this for six years. Let's, let's, let's switch it up. So 
it's just good to ask yourself, why, why am I continuing to live this identity or, or these lifestyle choices? And it's just all part of the process. I, I love that. Do you think that there was a connection with like the fact that you were exploring a creative business and you felt freedom and creativity that that allowed you mm. to feel more, more freedom in like your personality and your, your feminine expression? I think so. Yeah, I think so for sure. And I mean, part of this too was in my early 20s, I talk about this a lot, but in my early 20s, I was a hardcore minimalist, like militant. I had, I had rules. I had restrictions. It kept me, it kept me really safe. It kept me in my, it kept me in bounds. Okay. It kept me from being, you know, financially irresponsible. It kept me on my shit because I was doing business stuff. I was doing school. I was working like by, by not being in the consumer culture, I was really focused on the things I was doing. But within that, the restrictions were my wardrobe was like a capsule wardrobe. So I had like four shirts, three pairs of pants, one, two pairs of shoes. And the, you know, the color palette, black and gray, everything Mm -hmm. matched because you only have a few things, right? Don't hate, don't hate on the minimalist gray. I'm, I got my, I got, I got my Fabletics, you know, I'm I'm down here. I've got, uh, I got some colors we're working with. I like that colorway. Yeah. You know, some colors out. I still think that a neutral palette chef's kiss, like black, black, white, neutral, like love. There's a time, there's a place. It's great. But it kept me small. It kept me bored. It made me feel like the world, my choices were so small. I guess I just didn't realize that there's like a whole ocean out there of different things that I could do. And so, yeah. And like, as my business started expanding and I started playing with color palettes and, and having fun with color, I realized like, oh, I can do that in real life. And I can, it's actually pretty badass. And I have fun playing with color now with my wardrobe. And so it was just the shift of like living kind of the sad, gray, dull life to living this vibrant, fragrant, fruitful life that has choices and freedom and options. And it, fuck, it feels good, dude. It feels so good. (laughs) Talk to me about the impact that that can have on a brand. Um, so like a lot of, uh, there's, there's trends that happen where some people are like, I want to have minimalistic or I want to have like some earthier tones. And, uh, I'm guessing that if people work with you, I'm sure, I'm sure you could act, you could do whatever and you have access to whatever, but I'm sure your wheelhouse is like, let's make this vibrant. Let's make this as attractive as possible to your target demographic. What kind of impact does color have? on a brand identity? Color psychology is really fascinating. I'm not by any means a brand color psychology expert. I have basic, like I have enough basic knowledge that when I choose colors, I know that the colors that I'm choosing for a client are intentional in the emotions that we're looking to evoke in their dream client, And we want the colors to like colors, they do. Colors evoke emotion. That's like something that's powerful about them. And when you think about the power of color, it's pretty incredible. Like if you if you ever watch, you know, any sort of nature documentaries, you understand that color in the animal kingdom is fucking crazy, and its impact, like its impact for on on insects and and mammals and birds and just all sorts of other critters. Like color is really important, and so legit, it's important for humans, and it impacts our emotions and the way that we feel. So 
I think color is really cool that way. Um, and I've totally lost like the main track of exactly <laughs> get, what you want to know from me. So let's wind it back. I do have ADHD, so it's all good. We'll keep it real. No, I I'm, I want to see like you are someone that's loud with colors. You appreciate colors. I'm guessing that the people you work with and the designs that you do, you're able to do the earth tones. You're able to do the minimalistic. You're able to do kind of like the. the I'm sure you're able to do the whole spectrum of things, but yeah. I'm also guessing that because you're passionate about this and you love color, that you help people be brighter in their aesthetic. What impact sure. does that have for your the brands that you work with and, the, and your clients? Like, what what impact simply color? Like, yeah, how much how much impact does color have on on the people you help? Okay, we're synced back in. Thanks, brother. <laughs> how much color? How much impact does color have on people that I have? Um, honestly, like I, to be honest, I don't push clients to add color if they don't want to. Like I, a lot of my clients call me a magician. Like I feel like a psychic medium for women for branding. Like I don't have to know you very well. I can have a really short conversation with you and then I can create something that is literally a visual embodiment of you. And you'd be like, what the fuck? How did you get inside my brain? Like, I feel I have this magic gift. And some clients color, like bright, vibrant colors, it's just not a vibe for them. And I would never like pull it into their brand. But if they're on the fence, I'm going to push them to push their boundaries because in general, bright colors, they're, they attract attention online and like your business on social media is a game of attention. And so if you're where, if your brand is lime green and your post is right next to somebody's post that's cream or neutral, somebody's eyes are going to look at the green post. Like it, it's just going to happen. And I think this is a funny story. Going back when I was a kid, when I would ever when I would have sports tryouts, my dad would always tell me to wear the brightest shirt that I had in the closet to my sports tryouts because he wanted me to be seen by the coach and literally always worked. And yeah. I would do the same, I would yeah. do the same thing too. When we would have, when we would have assemblies in school where they would like pick volunteers and guests to play games. If I knew there was an assembly, I would always wear a bright shirt and they would always pick me because hello, like, I guess I'm wearing neon today. So like I'd probably get picked <laughs> if I had my hand raised, but yeah, color stands out in a crowd. And so if you're looking to stand out, don't be afraid to add color. I guess that's all I have to say. Do you think that, um, did your confidence come when you started wearing more color and started being more creative or was your confidence always there in terms of how you communicated and it just takes this form? Cause I've also found that if you're willing to wear the bright shirt, mm -hmm. um, you have a lack of fear of man cause you're not trying to conform. So it's like, you're automatically like, yep, I feel confident in who I am. Do you feel like that's yourself or no? Yeah, that's myself. I've always been confident. My, my confidence is that it's, is that a delusional place right now? And I'm totally happy with that because I think it takes delusional confidence to achieve the things that you know you're worthy of achieving, but your ego tells you that you're fucking not, you know? Yeah. So color did not create my confidence. Color, I guess, does help me embody my confidence. And I didn't realize, I guess, how much of an impact it makes until I started going out in public in these like really vibrant outfits. And 
obviously it attracts attention, but it also attracts, I get a lot of comments of people saying, that looks so good on you. I wish that I could wear something like that. Or I <laughs> yeah, hear a lot of, yes. I hear a lot of like, I've always wanted to wear bright pink or I've always wanted to wear neon, but something's yeah. like, it's holding people back. And so if I can inspire somebody out in the world, they see me in my bright pink little skirt and then they go, they go to the store and they're like, Oh yeah, that girl in her bright pink skirt. I can fucking rock that. Like confidence <laughs> is contagious. And right yeah. now I feel like I want to be part of, of, of the voice of a movement of empowering women to be confidently themselves online, to embody their full spectrum, to show up in their authenticity and by creating them, you know, aligned brand identities and these sales funnels and websites that help them confidently communicate the value of these amazing programs that they've invested their time, love, energy, passion into. Like, this is just part of my bigger mission. So if my confidence can inspire your confidence, then I feel fucking happy. So mm. that's what I love. I love that. Let's get tactical. Um, tactical. What would, you, what would you say for someone... Because you're self-taught in your skill set, and you you're basically monetizing your taste, and you've then educated yourself to figure out how to uh, meet the industry standard of what people expect, so that you can maximize your taste as your own brand, as your own niche, as your own like this is what I deliver on. Um, mm -hmm. How how would you encourage someone else that has artistic ability that maybe has an entrepreneurial spirit? Like I think a listener that's gonna be listening to this right now, they would classify themselves as like a wantrepreneur. Um, mm. They want to do something for themselves. They want to do that side hustle. They want to do that business. They want to do that creative thing. Um, they might not be confident or they might have self-doubt that they don't have the skill set or can't learn the skill sets to make it happen. Um, what are some resources that you'd recommend that got you from where you were, which is driven but not an expert in this niche and not an expert in this field to now becoming an expert in this field who feels like they can own the world and can compete with anyone on any level. Reps, put them in. That's it. Hmm. Put in the reps. It's like, if you want to get better, practice, have fun, do the design challenges where you're, redesigning a, a brand that you love, like, you know, Trader Joe's, let's revamp Trader Joe's, right? Or like something fun, make, make the learning process enjoyable and fun for you and grow your skills by putting in the reps. I really feel like that's, especially as a designer, that's definitely the only way to get better and don't, don't work for free ever. That's also like, if don't you're work for free, Fuck no. Why would you? No, no. Okay. No. Tell me about that. So tell me how does someone get their first job if they don't have the confidence and they haven't put in the reps yet? Well, you better pretend you have confidence and go out there and sell <laughs> yourself, bitch. Like do not do work for free. No way. Okay. My very, very first design client was not, was technically not my cousin. She she was my second design client. My very first design client, right when the pandemic hit, I was working as a substitute teacher while I was, I was that was my like income while I was building my startup. 
so I was one of the first people to lose my jobs during the pandemic. They were like, school, nah. Okay. Subs, sorry. You're fucked if you're a sub. (laughs) So I'm like, okay. I join Seattle Boss Babes group on Facebook and I post, what's up? My name's Hannah. My skills are branding, web design, marketing, social media. Does anybody in this group need help? And this adorable girl named Rachel messaged me and she's like, hey, I have a online business and I'm looking to create a digital and physical journal. What sort of work have you done? So I went on Canva and I created all of these fake journals that I'd never made before. And first I went to Etsy and I was like, this is what digital journals look like. What's inside them? Like I had to educate myself. What's inside a digital journal? How do they work? What do they look like? How are designers mocking them up? So I looked at what other people are doing. I have good taste. I'm like, okay, clearly these ones look good. These ones look shit. So I'm going to present her one that looks good. So I Google how to create a digital mock-up of a digital workbook and find how to do this. And so I send her this proposal of like, these are some of the workbooks that I've created in the past because I did, I created them in the past 10 minutes ago. And I send her a proposal based off of arbitrary numbers that I, you know, came up with from listening to Chris Doe and her response to this day is one of my favorite screenshots ever. Her response to my proposal was, this is unfucking real. I'm all in. How do I pay? Confidence, baby. Fucking go and get it. That's all I have <laughs> what did to say. You, what, did, what did you charge her? I think I charged her around like $600 or something like that. And she actually ended up being a fantastic client. And I'm amazingly proud of her growth. When she hired me, she had 2,000 followers on Instagram. And now she has, I think, maybe 100 to 200,000 followers on TikTok and at least 50,000 followers on Instagram. So she has like dove deep into building her personal brand. She's done amazing. And yeah, I'm like, I'm like, oh my gosh, I get to be part of that success story. Like she's my first client ever. But yeah, yeah, so that just goes to say is like, don't do free work. Why? Why? I mean, what are your thoughts on free work? Are you down for free work? Um, I think it depends on the product you're offering and it depends on the service you're doing. I, uh, I, I dove in, uh, I, I did free consults for a little bit. Um, it was kind of like accidentally consult. It was like someone would ask me for help and I would say, sure, let me look at it. Okay. Um, you probably should do something like this. And they go and do that thing. And they'd be like, Grant, this really worked. And I was like, shoot, probably should have charged for that. <laughs> uh, mm. So then, and then I, I, I went, I think our, like I, one, uh, my first like other client was kind of similar situation. It was like a friend gave him a stupid deal. I was like, dude, I know this is what you could afford. And I just want to help you. Um, and it wasn't even like, I want to do this business or I want to do what we're offering for you is more so like I believe in your product and I'm like I would prefer to be a part of your success. Um, and then that worked and he like closed $100,000 in 90 minutes. And so I was like, sweet. And so I was able to take that kind of confidence and I went and got my first 7K retainer. There so that go. was like, that's I, I, I built it really fast, but it was also just because I was able to leverage like I think the right things. Um, 
I'm super confident. So it's, I, I'm confident in my ability. I'm confident in like my ability to figure it out. I'm, I'm the same type of person where it's like, I'll say yes. Like someone texted me today and they were like, do you, do you know ClickFunnels? And I was like, yes. <laughs> and I like, and not in a like BS way, but in a like, I've heard I've, of it. I've, yes. I, I, I said, I said, I said yes. And then I said, not in a, that I know how to do them, but in a, like, I know of them. I've seen some things that work and I want to learn how to do it. And so then I like, that's, that just, that, that just leads me to my, you know, Google or ChatGPT for that morning. Like, that's just like, yep. that's just where I go. Um, so I'm not like, yep. I am not that, I don't have the blind confidence to be able to say, I can deliver something that I don't have confidence I can deliver. Um, I have confidence in my ability to work it and figure it out. Um, but I'm not going to sell you on a result that I, that I, I can't attest to. Um, I think for some people, I think for some people, they, yeah, I, some things I, I think it serves best if you do it first and show your worth and then charge. Um, you, you not, not in a, like in, in a cold DM sense, I'm saying like less in a, like take on a bunch of free work and then to build your portfolio. I don't believe in that necessarily. I'm just saying if you find someone that is your ideal client that you want to work for, say that you're a video editor and mm-hmm. you really, really have this one YouTuber that you're like, I love their stuff and I really want to work with them. Then the best way to get them and get their attention is to edit a video. Take a raw, do a portfolio free thing for that person and say, I don't do this for everybody. I'm doing this for you because I believe in you and I trust you and I, I, I want to be the person that delivers you this result. So if you like mm. this, I would love to be part of your team to make this. That's the only case where I'm like, yep, do that for free because you've identified exactly who you want to work with. But that's not really free work because that's just you creating an opportunity for yourself as like a portfolio piece. But it's not that, I guess the second, but that's not technically free work. Would it be free work? I suppose if they were like, okay, now I want you to do that for me, but I'm not going to pay you. Right. So I feel like, sure. But to be fair, that's you doing. Yeah. But it's like you doing, you're doing something like you're not getting paid to do a project. Yes. I mean, as a designer, do a lot of those, right? Do a lot yeah. of unpaid personal passion projects. And if they have like a backend goal of being like, oh, I'm going to, you know, create a new brand identity for Emma Chamberlain's YouTube channel and show her how dope I think she could look if her vibe looked like this. And I'm going to tag everybody in it and say, tag Emma, tag Emma, right? Then like, I still wouldn't consider that free work. I just consider that like free marketing for yourself. The difference mm-hmm. is like actually engaging in a relationship with a client for free, fuck no, never. That's how I feel about that. Yeah. But I think yeah. building your portfolio and like showcasing your work, yes. Love it. Okay. Yeah, I think we're aligned. I I I've heard people say the other thing as well. I think specifically photographers. I just think each niche is different, each each uh, creative piece is different and it requires a different level of authority. I think more often than not people do free stuff for too long when I think if anything, I would recommend do a lot of free stuff for one month, maybe do free stuff for one month. And if you don't have a portfolio by the end of that month, then you're, you shouldn't be doing this. Like if you do a lot of free stuff, do a lot of free content, do a lot of like work yeah. your ass off for one month. And I guarantee you can then justify saying, yep, I'll charge this. And my other argument is that creatives across the board don't know how to charge what they're worth. So talk to me about that. How can a creative charge what they're worth? You are confident in your abilities 
and your conviction and your taste, and you have evidence to prove your results. So what's been the transitionary points of what you charge and how you've had the confidence to charge those numbers, even to now where you're like, I, I am going to be the premium because that's what I believe my product is. In the early days in my, in the early days in my business, I was charging in the low four figures for branding and web design and, and sales funnels. And I felt like it was appropriately priced for the time in which it took, it was probably priced for like the time in which it took me to get things done and, and my skill level. But I made an effort of like every few months to reevaluate my prices and raise them. So I just continued to raise my prices until I started reaching like a level of resistance where I'm like, okay, I feel like this is, this is like the sweet spot of pricing for the service that I deliver, the time it takes me, the value it provides the client and the time in which I can deliver to the client. And I've been in situations where I've worked with, I've worked with the client who's investing in themselves for the very, very first time. And they can be like the most difficult client because they've never spent before. They have really high expectations. They've never been in any sort of creative collaboration before. So there's not like a lot of trust there. That's a client that I knew right away that I didn't want to continue to work with. Then there's like the, the middle tier client where it's not the first time investing. They have a good sense of what they want already. They have a good feeling of, of their product suite, their services, their brand, who their brand is, what their brand does. And they just need, they needed, they wanted to take it to the next level. This is like my sweet spot, ideal client. I love working with a woman who has a small online coaching business because I love working with one decision maker. She's fast. She's quick. She knows what she wants. And it's not this whole drug out multiple decision-making process. Then I've worked on the other end of the spectrum where I've like collaborated with multiple stakeholders. I've worked on these like larger scale, um, like much more, uh, a, a much higher investment project. And I, I also don't love being in that world either. So I've just found that find who you want to work with. And just because the person you want to work with isn't your top paying client doesn't mean that you can't work with more of these people to earn the same amount because you are, you enjoy the work and the relationship at this price point. So I think that for me, it was also about want the people that I work with, the joy in which the, the joy of the creative process and only working with aligned people that I really wanted to work with. So that's a, that. a part of the pricing process too. I love that. Yeah. And I think, uh, if I can bring it home for somebody that's probably listening to this, maybe you have a creative business. Um, something you said there, which I really want to hit home on, is that you, a lot of times when you start out, you think, I want to get paid to do this service. And that's actually the wrong way to think about this. It's more so, who do I want to work with and who do I want to do this service for? Um, yeah. And that actually should be as specific as possible. Um, and, and a smarter way to go about it because anybody can work like, like it has to be more than someone that shares values. It, it, there's a lot of people that share your values. You're going to find 
there's a lot of people in the business world that are probably going to share your values. They're probably going to want to be generous to their community. They're probably going to want to be, you know, um, that are probably kind. There's probably a lot of people in that, in those categories, but you can be specific on values, on revenue numbers, on types of things they teach, on ways they teach. Um, and I think like, just as an example for us, like I don't work with someone that's not doing seven figures. And I might only work with people on a consulting level and then I'll help you get to seven figures and then that can justify the cost of what mm -hmm. it would look like to work with my team. Um, because just as you were saying, Hannah, I think like if your price point is low, it's going to attract people that value you lowly. Whereas the service you're delivering for someone that's paying you 2000 versus the service that you're paying, that you're charging $20,000 for, it's the same service. It's the same quality. And honestly, better results if you charge 20,000 because, uh, that person, I mean, I, I'm sure you've seen the meme, but it's like, you know, like the, the $500 client and it's like, look at this, all these questions, all this stuff, like back and back and yeah. forth. And then it's like the $50,000 client. It's like invoice paid. It's like, that's just truth. It, it, and I, I think, you have to earn the right to be able to charge that level. You can yes. confidently get into it, but you have to, you have to deliver it. Um, mm -hmm. but I, I'm just going to say it like, I think a lot of creatives get stuck at like, okay, I think my service is uh, like kind of worth maybe like a $1,000 retainer. And it's like, okay, you have to immediately game plan who would pay you $10,000 to do that. And then who, how can you find those people? <laughs> and then that's like, Everything else, all your content, everything you do should be focused towards that energy because otherwise you're just going to limit yourself. You're going to limit your personal growth. You're going to limit your business growth. And ultimately, uh, you're going to be dealing with people that are probably not in alignment with who you are. So I'm not just saying go after rich people. That's not what it is. Uh, even more specific, um, try, try to identify how you can use your creative skill set towards the people that you align the most with so that you can be confident that I deliver results for this and I don't deliver results for this. I can try, I can pay you a lot, I can charge you a lot, and you can pay me a lot to, to try for it, but I have all this history and all this evidence that I deliver results for this type of client. Um, I would love for creatives to think that lens because that gets us out of the, I'm charging 500 bucks just to, to be able to do this, um, which that's just a yeah. learning belief thing. Hannah. Agreed, uh, well as, said. As I try to like, I want to bring this home, can you... Can you speak to, let's, let's talk to your ideal client for a second. So, um, someone that, like you said, has a small community, they have a small online, maybe, maybe it's someone that's recognizing that they've been doing it all by themselves and they've gotten progress because the content is good and the quality of their course is good and their product is good. Um, but they need help with a sales funnel. They need help with the design, um, First, how would you recommend someone that can't afford you? How would you help them get to a place where they can afford you by giving them value and what they should be doing and how, like, what are tips that you give for free? And then also just tell me, like, all right, let's just start there. Someone that can't afford you has a small community, great product, but they've been doing it all by themselves and they're feeling overwhelmed and they don't know how to scale. How do you get them to a place where they could be able to work with you? Mm, yeah, focusing on brand messaging. So brand message being like the most important thing to really nail in and continue focusing on getting clients results for your pro for your online course or your coaching program, focus on results, focus on your message, stay consistent on, stay consistent on like the clarity of that. And 
the more information that you have about exactly what your ideal client needs to hear, what sort of transformations they're looking for, what sort of results they're getting, what their dream, like their dream outcomes are, the more true understanding that you have of that and how you are unique, how your story, how your journey, how your transformation draws them in and relates and connects with them and drives them to action. If you have a clear understanding of that, then you're in a prime position to work with a brand designer who can then turn that into more aligned visuals that are going to increase your impact. And my goal is to help you increase your income by making you your perceived value higher. But I can't put lipstick on, on a pig. Like I can, but we want you to be a, like, we want you to be a queen, right? Like I want you to shine. And so you have to have really good understanding of those things because I can't adequately help you if you, if you're totally unsure or you don't know, right? So brand identity is like, it really comes in once you have a lot of clarity on the brand message and like how you fit into the story. And I also help you like really refine that and make it stronger um, and then aligning those visuals with that really help elevate you, make you look more professional and build a lot more of that no like and trust factor. So that's what I recommend. I love that. Okay. And then for someone that, that would want to work with you, that probably like, uh, would you say that it's someone that struggles on the sales side of things? Like they're really great on the delivery. They're really great on the like coaching the students or maybe like the course module and the teaching element, but they're like, they struggle to visualize how do I, how do I make, how do I remove friction in my lead generation process? Is that like your ideal client? The women that come to me there, my ideal client is a woman who, babe, you're online, you're on Instagram, you're doing, you're posting, you're doing all the things, but you feel imposter syndrome when you look at your Instagram feed because you feel like it's not cohesive, it's inconsistent and it's not clear with the value that you're actually providing. So the women that I work with, they are getting their clients excellent results and they, their program is transformational and it is working, but they are struggling with having their visuals and their message really like mesh on the meaning and consistently attract their mm -hmm. dream clients to the top of their funnel into their business. Also, this woman, she her systems on the back end of her business are duct taped together and yeah. they're cost they're costing her a lot of time, money and energy. It's like multiple platforms, email marketing platform, web hosting platform, landing page platform, CRM like leads are falling through the cracks. Her system is driving her absolutely crazy and she can't scale because her system isn't scalable. So she comes to me and I can help her create sales funnels and websites that clearly communicate her value, that take her ideal clients through this beautiful handheld journey from getting to know her all the way into getting into her programs at any level. And that's how I can support her there. So she's really struggling with those two things and she's ready to take her business to the next level. She's kind of done playing it small and and doing it all DIY. She knows she's worthy of more. Love it. Okay. Give me your, what's your biggest success story really quick? Like 
what was what was the before and after screenshot that you love to show people? Hmm. I would say one of my clients, her name is um, her name is Alex. Um, she just recently changed her Instagram. It was at the Mirror Series. I think she's at now Alex Frida's social, but she was starting to blow up on TikTok when she hired me. She would, I don't, I think maybe she had like, I don't know. She had like low 10,000 followers on TikTok and she wanted me to build her new brand identities for her, uh, uh, online course and then build out all of the supportive sales funnels. So starting from a free guide leading into a free masterclass leading to the sales page of her online course and then upselling into her one-on-one coaching offer. So she had this beautiful Ascension offer suite where she was really helping uh, her clients at kind of every stage of their journey and building those systems for her totally automated her business entirely. And so she got to completely invest her time in fucking pumping out content. And that's her zone of genius because she is a con she's a content creator. That's her expertise is content strategy. And she has absolutely blown up her business. It's been totally automated passive income for her. And I just, she like will send me messages from time to time, just expressing her gratitude of like the lifestyle that it's let her lean into. And like that shit just fills my heart. And I'm just so grateful to be part of the ripple effect. For me, it's like so much more than just helping Alex. It's that Alex helps thousands of women change their life. And so I get to be at a part of the ripple effect of Alex. And for me, that's like really where like the deep gratitude comes in. And like, that's what drives me. And that's what makes me so passionate and obsessed with what I do is that I could be part of something that's bigger than just my client. It's their, their mission that I get to, to share in. And I just fucking, that means everything to me. I love it. I love it. Well, you heard it here, guys. I think there's so much value that Hannah brings, not just to her clients, but just as a person. So, um, Hannah, I'm not even going to let you say where to find you. Everybody click the socials that are going to be described in this link. Uh, it's designs with Hannah designs. Tell me, tell me your, tell me your at just the people who are just listening to this can know it. Design with Hannah. Yeah. Love it. And I, I, I first off love your aesthetic. I love your energy and please, please, please follow, follow Hannah. Cause I think she, like you just have so much to offer and you give so much free insights in your content too, which I love. And I think it's not like I, for, for anyone that's listening to this, that's not a female business coach. I think there's still a lot that you can learn from her social media and from her brand. Um, so please just, just go do it. Just trust me. Just trust me on it. Um, Hannah, thank you so much for being here and giving me the value. And I hope that, um, the listeners here, uh, have so many, you know, they wrote notes and have so many takeaways. So thank you so much for your time. You're so generous with it. So, um, everyone I'll see you in the next episode. Appreciate you. Bye.